Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day. After On October 14th, every year, the Lord blesses us with a beautiful, beautiful day, a beautiful weather. You know why that is? Because that's the day I was born. And the Lord is like, you know what? I'm going to bless the whole world with beautiful weather. Um, I, I thank God for another year of life. 34. 34. And uh, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to, to have people in my life. Uh, you guys have our church, have my salvation. With my salvation, I've got everything that I need. Amen. And I, I give glory to God uh, for his hand over my life. And, and um, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just here for it. Anybody just here for it? Like, we're just, Lord, whatever you need, I'm here for it. I don't know what it is, but I'm here for it. And, and that's all we can do. And, and I, I kind of want to talk a little bit about that this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Exodus, chapter 3. Exodus, chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, and when you have it, you can give me a nice amen. Amen. Are we ready for the word this morning, church? Amen. Tell the person next to you, get ready for the word. Tell the other person next to you, you better listen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Exodus 3, 1 through 10. I'm reading from the NLT this morning. It says, one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. And Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it did not burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning? And I must go see it. And when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals for you are standing on holy, holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, He covered his faith because he was afraid to look at God. And then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people. How how many of you know that God sees the oppression of his people? I've not forgotten. I have heard, he says, their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. And I am aware of their suffering. And so I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is the land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites and the Hittites, Amorites, Pezzarites, Hivites, and Jebusites, and all the ites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you. Somebody say you. Now somebody say me. I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Amen. Lord, I pray over this word, Father God. I pray, Lord, that you would speak it 
to me and through me, Father God, and to the hearts of your people this morning, I pray that we would be receptive, Father God, that your Holy Spirit would do the transformative work, my God, that we know only he can do, Father God. We give you permission, Father, to mess us up, my God, to change our thinking, my God, to change our convictions, my God. We give you access to our hearts and our minds this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Amen. I entitled the message this morning, The Highest Calling. The highest calling. Anybody called by the Lord? Amen. Amen. Immediately when we, when we start to, when we think about calling, we think that to mean something very specific when it, when it comes to God. I was watching a clip from this preacher, man. I can't even remember his name, but he was spitting fire on this topic. And, and he was saying some things that really challenged like the culture of church and, and the box that the church has created for what we think ministry is. You know, the, the, the church creates boxes for a lot of things, right? We, we're we're kind of religious in those ways where we think it has to be a certain way. And so when we think about calling, we only think about certain things. And so you might not think that you have a calling because, or you, you might not think that you're called to ministry because you think that you don't have a calling. Or maybe you think that you have a calling, but it has nothing to do with ministry. And so we've done a lot of damage to this idea of calling, but the truth is everyone who is found transformed and renewed by the blood of Jesus has a calling over their lives. You have a calling over your life. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. I don't, I mean, I won't call you out by name, but I am talking to you this morning, church. If you are sitting here renewed by the grace of God, you have a calling over your life. God has called you by name. And I'll tell you what that is in a minute, but I, I want to I give you a little bit of context if, if you're not really too sure what's going on here. God established a covenant with Abraham. A covenant is a promise. And Abraham was considered a righteous man. He was full of faith. And he told Abraham and his wife to go to the land that God would show him and to live there as foreigners because one day that land would belong to their descendants. And so they went... And Abraham and, and his wife had Isaac, and Isaac had Jacob, and Jacob had Joseph. And if you know the story of Joseph, you know that Joseph was slow, uh, sold into slavery by his brothers to Egypt. But in Egypt, God had different plans. In Egypt, what they meant for evil, God meant for good. And so in Egypt, the Egyptians began to see Joseph with Pharaoh and, and he became a high ranking official in Egypt. And so decades down the line, uh, Joseph's brothers and his father, they're fleeing the land of Canaan because there is a famine and they go to Egypt and lo and behold, there is Joseph right there taking them in. And Egypt becomes this place of refuge for a while. It's really crazy to think about Egypt as a place of rescue because it became a place of oppression, but they stay there for a while. They multiply like Mexicans and for the next 400 years, they continue to increase and increase and increase. And, and down the line, the Egyptians become oppressive and they turn the Israelites into slaves because they fear that the Israelites are going to outnumber them and overtake them. And this is where they begin to wonder, well, what about the covenant? What, what about the promises 
that God made to our forefathers? What about what God said to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? What about the promised land? What are we doing here in Egypt? And this is, I think, where we, we can begin to relate a lot, right? What about my promise? What about my family? What about my marriage? What about my kids? What about all the stuff, God, that you said was coming to me, that I would be blessed, that I would be restored, my family would be saved, they'd be sitting here worshiping next to me, but it seems like every time I have a conversation with them about God, they're driven further and further away. What's going on? But what I love about this is that God is not a God who forgets. God will always complete what he said he was going to do. And the Bible says at the end of Exodus chapter 2, it says years passed and the king of Egypt died, but the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. God hears your groans, church. And they cried for help and their cry rose up to God. And God hearing their cry, he remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he looked down on the people and he knew it was time to act. And so right after this, God calls Moses. Now, real quick, just the elephant in the room. Uh, It's hard to talk about the ancient Israelites and not think about what's going on right now in Israel. And, you know, much of what we're even talking about is a major point of conflict between the Israelis and the Palestinians. It's very much about land and territory. This week, man, I was I was a. I was, I was watching some videos, man, in my office, and I, I began to weep just seeing some of these videos. Evil acts um, committed by, by, by this terrorist group, by Hamas. And, and, and my prayer, my prayer has been, Lord, protect everyone that is not set out to do evil and bring justice to those who are. And I mean that for everybody, right? I heard someone say, if you stand for Israel, that means you hate Palestine. That can't be further from the truth. We're Christians. We're called to love everyone. And as far as I know, both Jews and Palestinians are in desperate need of Jesus. And there is innocent blood on both sides that we need to be in prayer for. Everywhere is a mission field, man. Everywhere. Everywhere. Outside your doors, across the street, everywhere is a mission field. And where there, wherever there's a mission field, there is the heart of God. But as I said briefly last week, you know, anytime something happens in Israel... It gets the attention of the church. Obviously, these things get the attention of the whole world. But why, why is the church so concerned with Israel? It's because God made covenant with Abraham that through him, all the families of the earth would be blessed. That, that means my family as well. That means the Cantus and the Pacas and the Gutierrez and the Saldivars. My, my family through them will be blessed. These blessings pour over to you and me, church. God said to Abraham, he said, those who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will curse. And that's not all. Because then God gave a a covenant to the people of Sinai. He gave Moses the law, the Mosaic law. And God told them to be holy and to love the Lord and to obey him. And we as Christians have been adopted into this community with the Father because of God's choosing of this nation, Israel. Israel is special to God. And because they are special to God, they have to be special to the church. And, 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 and look, while people, look, while the people of Israel, by and large, have rejected the name of Jesus today... God hasn't forgotten about his chosen people. I've also heard people say, well, Israel has rejected God by rejecting Jesus, so God is no longer with Israel. 
And, and I don't know about you, man, but I've got family members who have rejected God, but I'm still fighting for them. I'm still believing for them. I'm still praying over them. I don't, I don't condone their lifestyle, but if God called me to him, I have a responsibility to be a priest to my family. We have to understand this. Chosen doesn't mean better. Chosen doesn't mean superior. It doesn't mean favorite. Scripture says that God shows no partiality. Chosen in the context of Israel doesn't even mean saved. But because they were chosen, they are special. Just like we as Christians, as the people of God, we are special to Jesus. We are called his bride. He is coming back for us. He is mindful of us. Israel remains special to God. And if you read Romans 9 through 11, I'm not just making this up, man. This is biblical. If you read Romans 9 through 11, go home and read it. You will see that God has not forgotten about Israel. He's not done with Israel. And this is why if you don't, if you don't know, uh, this is why the church is so mindful of Israel. And this doesn't devalue other people. This doesn't mean hatred for non-Jews. This doesn't mean that no one else gets prayer. And if, that, if you're only praying for, for one side, you, you, you don't, you're not doing Christian right. You gotta, you gotta pray for everyone. You gotta love everyone. I'm getting hot. This just means that if our God first revealed his divine plan to the people of his choosing and their descendants, who, who because of them we are now blessed with Christ, we ought to be mindful of Israel. And when I think about the Israelites, the ancient Israelites crying out to God thousands of years ago in Egypt, I, I know that God hears their cries today. But listen, if, if we know anything about biblical history, it's that Israel was a constant failure to God. Time and time again, time and time again, they'd have little seasons of of progress and have little seasons of blessing and obedience, but then they would stumble again. And the Bible says that God would give them over to the hands of their enemies, but even then God wouldn't forget about them. They would turn to idols and they would oppress the poor and they would forget about the widow and the orphan and they would fail to trust in God. Israel has got a history of failing God, but you know what God was looking for? He was always looking for a remnant, a remnant He was always looking for a few faithful who would remain in Israel. And today, because Israel has rejected Jesus, they are still in rebellion. Paul says in Romans that their hearts have been hardened. See, because Israel, and I'm going somewhere with all this. I hope you're still with me, but thank you, brother. Israel, as a nation, was called to obey. Deuteronomy 30, 16. I don't, I don't even think I have it up here. But Deuteronomy 30, 16. I know nobody reads Deuteronomy because Old Testament, Old Covenant. Deuteronomy 30, 16. It's very important. Moses is before the assembly of Israel. And he says this. He says, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. And verse 18 says, therefore, choose life. Tell the person next to you, please choose life. Choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life and the length of days. All God wanted for Israel. Listen, all that God wanted for Israel was that they be a nation that is holy. 
That's what they were called to. And in Jesus, the same is required. Okay, a lot of Christians, when they see the New Testament, they think that the Old Testament is irrelevant, it's old, it's out of date, it's no longer needed. But, but Jesus said, hold on, I, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill it. That means that there is a bridge that links the Old Testament and the New Covenants together. In theology, we call that continuity. Because there is a continuation of what God started in the Old Testament through Abraham that now comes in with Jesus The fundamental thing that Israel was called to in the Old Testament is the same thing that we are called to today as Christians. Jesus says it in John 14, 15. He says, if you love me, you will obey me. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you don't just sing a worship song. If you love me, you don't just say a prayer. If you love me, you just you don't just say I love you. If you love me, you will obey me. So the highest calling one can be called to church, I think it's pretty obvious, is obedience. God was looking for a nation in Israel to obey him, and time and time again they failed, but God was faithful, and a few men and women were faithful to God. So God, even through that, still brought Jesus to offer salvation to a, to the world because Even though we were sinners and we were separated from God, God remembered us. And so this is why if you fail God, you fall on his grace. Man, there's this old song we used to sing like all the time, like every week. Uh, I should know it because we sang it so much. Uh, But the the starting of the song was beautiful, man. It said, a thousand times I've failed. Still your mercy remains. Should I stumble again, I'm caught in your grace. Man, beautiful. Because the story of Israel is a story of us. How many times do we fall? How many times do we fail and fall short of the glory of God, but we always fall on grace? And where there is repentance and there is a humble heart, God will take us back every time. Not because he needs us, not because he's uh, desperate for us and depends on us, but because he loves us. And he wants to make us holy. And every time we come back to him with a humble heart, God gives us another chance. That is the love of my Jesus. And and today in the new covenant, look, we're we're not bound by the law, but we are bound to Christ. Y'all didn't think y'all were still bound, right? That, that's, that's one of the funny things about being a Christian is we're, we're, we're free from sin, but we are slaves to Jesus. Christian freedom isn't total freedom. It's, it's freedom from death. It's freedom from chains, but it's being in submission to Jesus. And I thank God because he says, my, my, my yoke is easy. It's, it's going to be easy for you. But we're always going to be a slave to something. I would rather be a slave to my master who is good, who gives me life. But God is looking for people who will obey. That's it. He's looking for a church that will look like Christ. This is your highest calling church. It's not being a pastor. It's not being a prophet. It's not being an evangelist, not being a teacher, it's not being an apostle. It's to be obedient. In, in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, it, it, it talk, you still with me? All right, I got to do those check-ins every now and then. 
Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about the fivefold ministry. Um, and and I, I love the fivefold ministry, and it's important. I'm, I'm one of them. I'm, I'm a pastor. You got, you got pastor, evangelist, prophet, teacher, and apostle. That's the fivefold ministry. But we, we take that one passage, and we give it all the weight in the world, where we treat these positions as if they are the highest callings one could have. And don't get me wrong, again, they're essential, but maybe this is why 20% of the church is doing 80% of the work because 80% of the people don't have the titles. And because they don't have the titles, they don't feel they have responsibility and take ownership in the kingdom of God. And I want you to know today, church, that God didn't call Israel to be a nation of pastors. He didn't call them to be a nation of prophets or evangelists or teachers or apostles. He called them to be a nation that is holy. And that's what God wants from you. He wants your obedience. And so, I mean, I talk to so many people, man, that they're like, Pastor, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know. What, I, I'm asking and I'm searching. And, and you say, Lord, speak to me. Like, use me. I'll, I'll preach to the nations. I'll, I'll start a church. I'll, I'll pastor a church full of people. And God is saying, I'm still waiting for you to be a good husband. Ugh. Use me, Lord. Use me in the prophetic. Bro, do you even tithe? Stop talking to your kids like they're dogs. Let me see some fruit. We have too many Christians with calling and no character. <laughs> this is not a feel good one. This is not a feel good one this morning. But I just, man, because I, I want you to understand, church, that you are all called. It's like we, we, we think that we have to have we have to have a, a title to take ownership in, in the kingdom of God. You have a title. It's priest. Priestess. You are called a holy nation. And I want you to know that Moses wasn't called to a title. Later on, Moses would be called the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. The end of Deuteronomy. Greatest prophet of the Old Testament, but not once was he called to be a prophet. During his 40 years in the wilderness, Moses would shepherd the people of Israel, dealing with their complaining, dealing with their groaning, always wanting something, leading them, counseling them, offering spiritual wisdom, 40 years pastoring the people of God, but not once was he called to be a pastor. And two weeks ago, I spoke on the Rema, Rema word of God. And if you took notes, you will remember that the Rema is what God is saying. The Logos is what God said. The Rema is what God is saying. And we talked about Samuel. God never called Samuel to be a prophet. But he called him to prophesy. See, Moses was never called to a title. He was called to a task. And too many times we want God to tell us what our title is going to be before we can submit to the task that he's calling us to. We do it backwards. And church, I, I know this isn't a very uplifting message today. I, it's my heart a little bit, but I just want you to know, man, that, that God isn't looking for your talents or your skills or your knowledge. All he's looking for is your obedience. Here I am. That's, that's what Moses said. Here I am. That's what Isaiah said. Here I am. Amen. That's what Samuel said. Here I am. When God calls, 
Here I am. Before I even know what you're going to say, I, we, 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 want, we, want, we want like meetings with God, you know? We want meetings. You know, whenever I bring on a, a new leader, we have meetings. We have to discuss it. They got to think about it. God doesn't do meetings. He just calls. And you say, here I am, or you say nothing at all. Notice that, 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 that the Bible says that Moses, when he saw the burning bush, uh, verse 3, it says, Moses says to himself, why is it the bush burning? I must go see it. And so before God said anything to Moses, he was first attracted to God's presence. He was curious about what he was seeing. So he approached it. What's going on over there? Why isn't that bush consuming? You know, some people, they're going to come to church because they are curious about what God is, is doing. They're going to come to church because you keep talking about it and they want to see what God is doing. I, we, we shared with you that testimony of that, of that girl who, who came in one Sunday after passing by the street, always hearing the worship music. She was like, I just got to go on and see what's going on. People, people are attracted to the presence of God. They're attracted to the work of God. Anytime Jesus would do a miracle, what there was a large crowd around him. People just want to see something that they're not used to seeing. And so Moses is attracted to the bush that isn't being consumed. But then it says that as Moses was approaching, God called him. And so when God called Moses, he introduced himself. This was his formal introduction. He says, Moses, Moses, here I am. I am the God of your father, Abraham. I am the God of your father, Isaac. I am the God of your father, Jacob. And then the Bible says that Moses was afraid. Moses wasn't afraid until God introduced himself. This tells me that Moses knew who Yahweh was. He knew. He grew up hearing the stories. I, I, I imagine, I imagine if, if I left the Lord or if I wasn't walking with God and God shows up to me in a dream or a vision, he calls me and he says, I am, I am, the, I am the God of your grandfather, Joe Salasad. I am, the, I am the God who called him to pastor for 35 years. I am the, I am the God of, of your parents, Juan and Annette Cantu, who saved them and restored them. I am that God. Once God introduced himself, Moses was, was afraid. He was fearful. And this, this, this is the same God. That God revealed himself to, to, to Abraham and Isaac and, and, and Jacob. And it's the same God that God is. It's the same God that revealed himself to Moses. And so Moses feared. And, 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 and fear is. Obe- listen, obedience and holiness begins with fear. You won't be obedient to God and, and, until you fear God. You won't be holy until you fear God. And not fear like, you know, God is scary. Fear like God is holy. Fear has nothing to do with God being intentionally intimidated. It has everything to do with our own humility. Some people don't fear God. And if you don't fear God, you will never obey God. 
Some people are too proud to fear God. When, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? Immediately, they had to cover their nakedness. They didn't even know why. But they just knew that something was wrong because God said to do something and they did the opposite. They knew that something was no longer perfect and holy. And yet the holy, per- per- perfect God was intimidating them. Because he was exposing their sin. You know, when you, whenever you go to like a fancy party and you realize that you're way underdressed. Like you're like, man, I need to get out of here. Everybody came in their best attire, their, their best suits, best dresses. Everybody's washed their cars even at the event. You haven't washed your car in three years. All the women got their makeup on, their eyelashes in. Don't even get me started. And you're here. The dress, two sizes too small because you didn't have time to go get something. And you're not comfortable. And, and it, it's not that you're afraid of the people around you, but you're intimidated by the fact that their for, formalness exposes your informalness. And so when we, when we realize that we're standing in the presence of God, his holiness exposes our holiness. That's what it is to fear God. It's saying, God, what am I even doing here? I'm not worthy to be in your presence. Moses was told to take off his filthy sandals in the presence of holiness. Moses had to cover his face, his face because he knew that everything that God is, Moses wasn't. And so... In, in the next few verses, Moses says, but who am I? Who am I? Maybe God is calling you to something and that's your excuse. Who am I? What I got? What's so special about me? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and Pharaoh would listen and God responds. It's not about who you are. It's about who I am. Tell Pharaoh that I am sent you. I'm not calling you because of your eloquence. I'm not calling you because of your talents or your strength. I'm calling you because you showed me that you feared me. And when you fear the Lord, you begin to obey the Lord. Amen, sister. I, you know, I, I never, I never wanted to, I already, everybody knows this. I never wanted to be a pastor, never wanted to be a pastor, but I always wanted to be obedient. I always wanted to be obedient. And I'll tell you the, I'll tell you the, the truth, man. At first I, I never heard the voice of the Lord clearly say, Ryan, Ryan, I want you to pastor. That came like through confirmation that came later, later. But, but that title pastor, it was never It was never revealed to me. Instead, what God was doing was he was burning in my heart for the church. He was making me care for the church. I don't want to care about y'all, but I did. He was, he was putting this desire. Look, I'm serious, man. He was putting this desire and, and I was a lot like Moses. I'm like, God, I'm, you know who I am. I'm socially awkward. It's awkward for me to make one-on-one conversation. I mean, I don't want to go down this again. But that's what I'm like, God, me, me, like to be a pastor, you got to be in front of people. No, God, but God was doing something. He 
he was putting this desire in me to see people grow in Christ. And he was putting the word inside me and he was challenging me to preach it and to teach it out of sheer desire that people would just hear the word and be transformed by it. And so I just began to be obedient in the little things, in the tasks that he was leading me. And so I started to preach more and I started to teach more and I began to submit uh, to the leadership of uh, not just my dad, but of my pastor at the time. And I began to take on more responsibilities and lead certain ministries. And over time, through all of those little stepping stones of obedience, it became clearer to me that God was calling me to pastor. But if I never feared God, I would have never submitted to God. You might not, you might not know what God is calling you to be, but you know what he's calling you to do. You are called to follow Jesus. You ain't called to lead. You're called to, to follow Jesus. To follow, that, that, that's an action. It's not an identity. Your identity is servant. It's not pastor. It's not businessman. It's not prophet. It's not influencer. It's servant. You are called to follow every single one of you. If you've been transformed by the blood of Jesus, you are now walking with the Holy Spirit to follow Jesus. That's what he gives you power for. He gives you power to get up and follow Jesus. He gives you strength to, to take up your cross and follow Jesus. And, and the gifts might come a little bit later, but your first calling is to just follow Jesus. That calling starts the, mo the moment you say yes to Jesus. In ministry, you, you got to take your time for it. You got you to you mature a little bit. You got to be, you know, you got to know the word. You got to be trained. You got to be discipled. But following Jesus, if you can walk, and if you can't walk, you can still follow Jesus. Following Jesus. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to break it to you, man, but God isn't going to send you like a, like a calendar Evite, you know. But you know, you know exactly where you got to be, where at the time you got to be there. Follower of Jesus doesn't get to say, oh, I wasn't ready to follow you today. I was caught me off guard. I was chilling with my homeboys. Nah. A follower of Christ is always ready. And see, I'm I'm for the most part, I'm a, I'm a planner. I, guess I like to plan. I, I use my calendar religiously. If I forget to put something on the calendar, I will 100 percent double book myself. It's happened this week twice. And, and when it comes to my future, just, just giving you insight into my life, when it comes to me, I've asked God, Lord, how long, how long is this season? How long will I be here? Give me a timeline. Give me a timeline. Maybe for you, it's like, God, how much longer until this? How much longer till I get that promised land? I've been waiting. I've been faithful. And, and for the most part, God doesn't reveal those things to us. He just calls us to follow him. And to be faithful to him in the little. In the little. Be faithful in the little and you will be faithful in the bigger. I got a question for you. Just think about this. What is your little? What's your little? It might be so small you, don't, you can't even answer the question. You have no idea. I heard this preacher say once uh, at, at a conference. He said... He said, many of you want to want to preach to the nations, but you don't even have your passports. 
<laughs> you want God to bless your ministry, but you can't even take the time to schedule an appointment with the passport office. If you can't be faithful in the small, how are you going to be faithful in the big? What's wrong with you, man? So many times we do all these things for the sake of our future while rejecting the things that matter now to take us into that future. Man, Moses did not. <laughs> he didn't know that the thing that he was being called to was going to take more than 40 years of his life. There's no way. If I'm Moses, I'm thinking, OK, I got to go back to Egypt. Got to schedule a few meet- meetings with Pharaoh. That might take a while. And then once I get the OK, I rally up the troops and, and we leave and we go to the promised land, maybe a year tops. 40 years of his life. Honestly, I don't know how obedient we would be if God gave us the details. <laughs> this is why he gives us small things. To handle those small things. With stewardship. Moses was obedient to God at every Every single moment, because that's what he was called to. Church, we are called to submission. Submission. And I just, I, I want to lay this in the most practical way for you, man. The, the Israelites, the people of God, they were called just to be holy and, and to love the Lord and to be obedient to him. And, and God may be challenging you in a different way than he is somebody else today. I don't know what your little thing is. For you, it might be faithfully bringing your family to church because you've struggled in your consistency with that. And there's, there's, been, there's been times where you're in, there's times where you're out, and God is calling you in. God is calling you to worship. God is calling you to, to, to small steps of consistency. Some of you might be in a season of, of learning how to be godly spouses or parents. And God is calling you to more patience with your family. He's calling you to be more slow to anger. God might be calling you to rest and practice Sabbath. Hallelujah, that's me. God may be calling you to trust him more in that season where you have no idea how you're going to make it out. And he's just telling you to fear me and trust me. God is calling you to obey. That's it, man. That's it. It doesn't sound. It doesn't sound fancy. Obedient. Really? That's what you're calling me to, just to be obedient? And be a prophet? And be like Elijah? I want to call fire from heaven. I can't, be a, I can't have like a healing ministry. I just want you to be obedient. I just want you to be a good Christian. Can we, can we start there? Can you just be a good Christian? Can you produce some fruit? Can you love your neighbor? Can you pray for your enemies? Can you stop holding your grudges? Can you learn how to forgive? Can you practice a little bit of holiness? God is calling you to be holy. I'm I'm about to wrap up how the worship team come up, but I want to end it. I just kind of going back, you know, God heard the cries of his people. And when he heard the cries of his people, God called Moses to do. Go back to Egypt and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. 
We overcomplicate calling. It's, it's not about what God is calling you to be. It's, it's what he's calling you to do. God is calling you to faithfulness. Stay faithful. God is calling you to holiness. Stay sanctified. God is calling you to priestliness. Lead your family. And I started thinking about the story of Moses, and I began to realize, man, how, how much we are like Moses. We're a lot like Moses. I'm almost done. Every single one of us, we know people whose souls are being held captive. I ask this question all the time. I'll ask it again. How many here have people in their lives who don't know the Lord? Come on. I I hope so. I hope so. (laughs) But for for real, and I've said that if you you don't have any unchristian friends, you got to make some. Because you can't be light in light. I think all of us know someone in Egypt. We all have our own version of Egypt. All of us. Who is it? Who is your Egypt? Answer that question to yourself this morning. Maybe you have a name in mind. Who is your Egypt? Who have you declared a child of God that is currently in the bondage of sin? Might be your parents, might be your kids, might be siblings, best friend, it could be your spouse. We all have an Egypt. Moses had ties to Egypt. He had family in Egypt. Man, I have ties in this world, man. Not to the world, but in the world. I have people I love in the world. I have people in the world who, though they aren't in Christ, they are special to me. And I'm mindful of them and I think about them and I pray for them constantly. We all have an Egypt. We all have somebody who is in desperate need of, 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 of being saved. Now, I want you to think about this. I, I'm not going to say that you are Moses because Moses was Moses. No one else is Moses. But we all have a Moses-like calling over our lives to be obedient. And see, while Israel was crying out to God, God was preparing an obedient man. You heard me? While, while the world was crying out, God was preparing a godly man who was going to be obedient. He wasn't looking for a warrior. He wasn't looking for talent. He wasn't looking for skills. I'm not saying those things are bad, but we think that we have to bring God a resume. The only thing that qualified Moses was his fear. So in his fear, because I don't want to let God down, he goes back to Egypt. And you know how he goes back? He doesn't go back with the strategy. He doesn't go back with the plan. He goes back with humility. All right, I'm just going to do what God said. I got this staff and I'm going to throw it on the floor and we'll see what happens. He has no strategy. He's just going. He's just being obedient every step of the way. While the people in your Egypt church are crying out to God, God is trying to prepare you. He's trying to prepare you for obedience. And I need you to hear this morning, church, because, man, I've been in church all my life. I've probably listened to thousands upon thousands of of, of sermons. And I've actually, I've taken note of this. Like I've done the research on it. You know, the sermons that get the least amens are the ones where the church is called to love and care for and minister to the unsaved. Because we just, we just want, we just want, we just want what, what benefits us. But when we're actually called to do 
an extension of the work that Jesus did for us. Eh, I'll come to church next week. I'll come to the I'll come to the to the conference. I'll come to La Compañía. I'll come to the night of worship. But don't ask me to do anything. People want to be called to glory. I'm going to say that again because I need you to hear it. People want to be called to glory. If their obedience leads to applause, if it leads to recognition, if it leads to blessing, if it leads to reputation, if it leads to a lot of followers on Instagram, God, call me to it. But before God will call you to any of that, he's going to call you to your family. He's going to call you to the people in your Egypt. He will call you to the people who are going to complain like Israel did. He's going to call you to the people who will refuse your help like they refuse Moses. He will call you to the people who think that you have nothing to offer, who are going to want to disqualify you. He will call you to patience and towards peace. He will call you to faith and communion with the spirit. All we can do is obey. That is your highest calling. That is your highest calling. Church is is servant. It's your family. It's the people in your circle. Jesus said, go into all the world. All the world. All right, God, take me to Africa. Hold on. Can you start with the person that lives down the street? Can you start... Can you start with your brother? Can you start with your sister? Can you start with your cousin? Can you start with your, with your children? Can you start there? Oh, but that doesn't... I can't take a picture at a safari if I'm not in Africa. I'm speaking... I've been to Africa a couple times and I, you know, I'm speaking from experience. Lord, take me to the highest of highs. Take me to the glory. God is saying, man, the glory is where you're obedient at the most humble level. If you can't be obedient here, what makes you think I want to take you anywhere else? Everybody in this room has an Egypt. And if God has showed himself to you, you have a responsibility to be a priest. That is your highest calling, church. First Peter 2 9, I just, I'll close with this. Highlight this verse, memorize it, repeat it, know it, and live it. This is what you are called to. I'm going to ask you to stand. First Peter 2 9. I want you to close your eyes real quick as you hear this verse. This is the word of the Lord speaking to his people. You are a chosen people, royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. I'm going to say that one more time just in case you missed it. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare 
the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. We give you glory, my God. My God, forgive us, Father God, for asking for anything else, my God, while rejecting your most simple requests. Lord, we just want to be holy, Father. We want to do right by you, Jesus. We want to obey you, my God. We want to submit to you, my God. That's you this morning. I want to ask that you would come forward at these altars as we pray. I'm going to also ask the prayer team to come up. And and if you're in need of prayer this morning, I I want you to to step out in faith as we, I was praying to God, Lord, bring, bring freedom this morning and bring salvation and bring healing. And I believe that's in the room this morning. And as we just spend some time in the presence of God for the next few moments, I want to call you, I want to call you to Jesus this morning. I want to call you to his presence this morning. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.